compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Okay, we are... I can't even believe it. We're in hour three now. Fast. Goes fast. Hey, by the way, Lent's going to go by fast too, so check it out. You can make your Lenten journey with your parish this year with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass, sponsored in part by National Center for Padre Pio. These free daily videos are bite-sized explorations of prayers and postures that will transform your perspective on the Mass and re-energize your parish community. Pray fast and serve these 40 days with 40 lessons with Father Rocky's weekly Eucharistic encounters. Sign up and share with your family at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Uh, tons of emails are pouring in. This is one of those interesting topics people just really uh, relate to. They just they just do. So Carmen, listening in Kissimmee, Florida, or Kissimmee, I never know how to say that name. She says, hi, Patrick, I just want to say I'm very sad. Our fellow brothers and sisters in church are dismissing the fact that children are VIPs in our religion, deemed by Jesus himself. Unfortunately, the big problem here, as I see it, is that these families with children are not being supported and not showing support, uh, and therefore a bias is created uh, when they see the priests are not being supportive, the clergy, the member, church members will follow suit. We need to support these values and show them that we back them up. And, and she goes on in, at some length from there. Carmen, I, I wonder if maybe you came in at some point in the middle of the conversation because there's no reason for you to be sad. We're we're emphasizing here, and and callers have emphasized that that we are we have to do exactly what you're saying, and that is to welcome these young families, let them know that they're welcome, they're accepted, they're loved, they're appreciated. We love the kids. We don't mind the noise. We're going to put up with that. You know, if people feel like they have to put up with it, so maybe you missed all of that. Sounds like you did. So there's no reason to be sad. There are people who are easily distracted. There are people who aren't used to having a lot of noisy kids around. I used to be used to it. I, it used to not bother me at all because I was used to it. And I lived with it day in and day out when I was a young father and even an older father. Nancy and I both as parents. That's just nature. You just get used to things and they don't bother you. But when you're not used to them and they do bother you, um, I don't want you to be... I, I, I would hope, Carmen that you would not look down upon the people in the parish who are distracted by noisy children. They're not doing anything wrong by being distracted by noisy children. That's just human nature. The noisy families are not doing anything wrong by being noisy families. That's human nature. That's how kids are. So no need to be sad. And no need to look down on people who are distracted. What I propose is everybody show consideration for everyone else. People who are distracted by the noisy kids, cut them some slack. Smile. Welcome them. Go out of your way to say after Mass, what a beautiful family you have. I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you. Now, things like that. Even if you feel distracted at Mass, go out of your way to show welcome and encouragement to these young families. And if you are a young family with noisy kids, you have a duty, and not, not you so much, Carmen, you have a duty to be considerate to the people in the parish. It, it goes both ways, and that's how it works. If you ask me, it works well when everybody is being considerate for everyone else. What I don't like to see, and thanks for the email, Carmen, what makes me grit my teeth is when I hear a priest on social media 
denouncing people for being distracted by noisy kids as if they're the problem. They're not the problem. You know, this this going way overboard, you know, we have to show, you know, 100% welcome to these big families, which I do agree with, by the way. We do have to do that. We should do that. But but if if you're going after the people who are not used to having noisy families, then you're missing the boat, Father, on Twitter or whatever. You're missing the boat. Everybody has a role to play in this. And a little consideration goes a long way. We love these families. We love their children. We want them there. We welcome them. We encourage them. All of the above times 10. But the big noisy families are not the entire parish. So we have to remember everybody and meet people where they're at. Can I get an amen and an a-woman? Amen and a-woman. Thank you. Isa in, doesn't say where, listening on the relevant radio app. Oh, actually, Isa's in Chicago. Says, we've started a children's liturgy at our parish. It's been quite a success. We recommend your parish do the same. Unfortunately, many churches stopped this kind of ministry after COVID. During children's liturgy, kids enjoy the litur- liturgy of the word on their level, and parents can listen to the readings in homily and peace. Children end up behaving way better and are often happy to go to church. Uh, we use a great book called The Complete Children's Liturgy Book, found online in places, uh, thrift books, etc. Well, Isa, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not being contrarian, but I'm not a fan of that personally. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a solution. I think it creates another problem. And I know it's trendy. It was really trendy for a while in the 80s and 90s, where during Mass, you know, when it came time for the readings, you know, the, the priest or the um, DRE or somebody would get up and say, okay, all the kids, come on down now. And it was this moment of... of Ooing and awing, and all everybody's eyes would light up, and all the kids go down to the center, and they all gather there like little lambs, and then they're led out to another room, and they have their children's liturgy. First of all, in my view, it's to me, it kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, we should be teaching our children how to be, how to integrate themselves into the mass which includes listening to the readings and such. I know it's it's heartwarming and a lot of warm and fuzzies and the people love seeing the children. And I understand that it's a warm and fuzzy kind of thing, but I'm personally not a fan of that. I think the tried and true traditional way of you have your kids at mass, you teach them as best you can to pay attention, teach them as best you can to focus on what's being done there. To me, that's the better way to go. But I do appreciate you, and I'm sorry to disappoint you. You probably are frowning right now at my reaction, but that's my experience. Um, this is, and I won't say the name because I was asked to keep this email um, anonymous. I would like to ask you, uh, she says, about your thoughts on distracting behavior during adoration from kids who are in the second to sixth grade or so. Lots of movement up and down, chatting amongst themselves when they're seated up front. Um, she, she says, I have a dentist appointment, so I may not hear you address this on the air. Well, if you tune in later to the replay, you'll be able to catch it. Thank you for the email. Um, this to me seems very similar in kind. In, in other words, people in adoration have a reasonable expectation that the room, the chapel is going to be quiet. So if moms or dads, if you have kids who are 
disrupting by just being kids. You know, they're talking out loud or they're just fidgeting around. My advice would be don't have them sit up front at number one. Because if they're sitting up front, inevitably it'll be distracting for some. Um, and if you are the person, well, you who wrote to me, Anonymous, um, if you find that by going to adoration at a particular time that there tends to be maybe more distraction, perhaps think about changing to an earlier time or a later time. That may not be possible, but that might be one workaround so that the kids are there. And it's great that they're there at adoration in the first place. What a wonderful thing for children to learn how to adore Jesus. But mom and dad should have a maybe a little little stricter hand in telling them, when we're in the Adoration Chapel, you have to be quiet. You should pray, or you should read the Bible, or you should, if you're young enough, you know, you can do coloring books about Jesus or something. That's okay. But there are people who are here trying to pray. You have to be quiet. Teach your kids that, and they'll learn it, and, and they'll do that. Thanks for that email. Let's go now to Ken in Crown Point, Indiana. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Patrick. I, um, when I had I have six kids, and um, when they were young, in fact, we had triplets, and then 10 months later, we had, a, we had another one that was naturally born, uh, uh, multiples. And uh, so when they were old enough to just barely walk, um, mm-hmm. I was taking all four of them myself. And my my uh, my wife didn't go to church. Uh, she you know, but um, she just didn't want to do that. She didn't want to go, unfortunately. But uh, so okay. I took them. And again, not God bless being you. super Catholic or anything. Uh, thank you. But not being super Catholic or anything. But I think the problem is that I think kids, uh, and the way I was raised at a very early age, is that you're taught how to behave in certain, wherever you're at, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. church or it's the, the grocery store or the mall or whatever. Um, you know, I knew where, where the boundaries were. And so my my advice, I guess, or this is what I did. These are the the, the shoes that I wore when I went to church with my children. Was mm-hmm. they knew how to behave, and I had conversations with them and and told them in the best way that I could for what I thought a young child of that age would understand who the priest is, and the, and and the readings and things like that. And, yeah, you know, I I would alternate holding them up so that they can see what was going on, and when I would go to communion, they stayed. They knew to stay seated in in the bench, and um, you know I would periodically just kind of turn and look at them, and they'd smile and wave, and you know mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And again, accordingly, you know they would be looking through the books, and somebody would say, "Let me bow." You know, there was a little bit of talking, but very, very little. And so today, what I, I find is that it seems like when I look at at when I see kids or, or hear kids acting up, of course, you know, very glad that they're there, but. When I see them acting up, I, I look at the parents, and if I see the parents that are doing their best, they're they're really working with those kids, trying to. It's 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 heartwarming, actually. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, it's 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 beautiful. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, unfortunately, I think where where I come from, where I feel the the most uh, distress is when I see parents, and 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 who think that every noise their child makes, or or you know every sound that they utter, whatever. Is, is beautiful and, and adorable and, and cute to everybody else. And when I see these parents handing them toys and, and giving them, you know, Cheerios and all this kind of stuff, and they didn't bring the right toy or they didn't bring the right fruits, so now the kid is, you know, is getting upset and agitated about mm-hmm. that. And and the parent are just sitting there smiling at the kids, you know, and like, oh, you know, because they don't want to. I know what you mean, Ken. I, believe me, I know what you mean. I, I hasten to say how much I 
am happy and, and grateful that we have these young families like you are too, Ken. These young families with all the children, it's beautiful, and, and, and I do welcome them. But at the same time, I've observed what I think you're talking about, Ken, where, and I think especially I've noticed this with um, maybe more traditional couples, and maybe the wife is even wearing a veil, which I think is beautiful. I wish that custom would return, honestly. But mm-hmm. in any case, uh, I sometimes observe that it seems like in maybe the more traditional couples, they... And I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if they think that by staying in the pew and either mom or dad taking the noisy child out for a few minutes, that by doing that, they're somehow less Catholic or they're somehow less traditional or they're somehow less, you know, super gung-ho. And that's obviously not the case. I, I advocate, as I was saying before, Ken, and thanks for the call. I appreciate your sharing your own experience. I advocate that everybody be considerate. Be considerate to other people, and they will be considerate to you. And when that happens, things are good. Let's go to Janet now in Minneapolis. Good morning, Janet. Good morning. Um, I'm a retired Montessori teacher. Okay. And uh, Dr. Montessori, I'm going to give you her um, philosophy. Um, um, She was a contemporary of Darwin. She didn't believe in Darwinism. She believed that... um, that children are, uh, because the, the human child is almost helpless for the first two years of their life, and they're forming their minds. She thought, thought they were forming their minds mm-hmm. to uh, um, dominate, you know, because they were the, the dominant species. Anyway, she was Catholic, and um, they're still, there's, um, um, children learn through their senses. And from one until two years old, they take in absolutely everything, and they're forming their minds, and they form it through their senses. And think how essential the church is. There's a bell, smells, um, stained glass windows, statues, mm-hmm. um, uh, other people kneeling and praying, uh, Father up there talking, uh, the Word of God, and so on. And they're actually forming their minds. And you're never going to lose it because you've actually formed that into your into your makeup of what the person is going to be. You see how important it is to take tiny children, even little children. By the time you're six years old, you've lost the absorbent mind. You don't just take in everything and and absorb everything, and it becomes you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, no no argument for me, Janet. Anyway, I concur. Um, the more. Um, um, Montessori is still going, and uh, when it, every once in a while they do some research, and we all laugh because they always uh, uphold whatever she said. Of course, she was Catholic, and she had based her belief on Catholicism, mm-hmm. plus what she observed. Mm-hmm. All good points, Janet. I appreciate that. Thoughtful of you to call in today. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Patricia now in Plano, Texas. Good morning, Patricia. Yes. Good morning. How are you? I am well. Thanks. Um, I- I'm just on the same subject. Like you said, it's a very touching subject. But I, like Nancy, was embarrassed by my priest when my children were young too. And mm. but how know, did that, that happen? Determined from going. Was this well, during mass, and you had a noisy mass, baby? Yes, baby. A little. I had a baby and a toddler. He was about um, two years old, and I couldn't calm him down holding the baby. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, I was embarrassed, but didn't stop me from going. But uh, I just wanted to let you know our That's new good. pastor, Father Jason at uh, St. Mark's 
um, Evangelist Church here in Plano, he, when he came in recently, he closed the cry room. He said, no more. He made it a storage room or something. And it's been amazing. It's been amazing. The children are coming to church. We're getting more and more younger couples. Um, Mm -hmm. the parents are just, I don't know. I'm an old, I'm older. Um, I'm in my seventies and I love seeing Mm -hmm. the children. And, um, also when the baby starts crying, I just start praying for that baby and immediately he calms down or she, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think it's wonderful that church children are at church and I wouldn't change it for anything. It gives me new life. I can see that these are the children. These are our future. And we should not be closing the doors on them. Um, I agree. And, and we love them. Are, we know, welcome them. We trouble. encourage them. Mm-hmm. And if people don't want to have the children, they can go to an early, early mass or a late mass when children, most of the babies are not there anymore. And that's Good my two point. cents. Well, two cents well spent, Patricia. I'm glad you shared that with us, and I agree with you. I'm glad you called. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, before we take a break, I just want to give a a quick shout out to Chris, um, who was kind enough to send me a clipping from his parish. Now, Chris is in, trying to remember exactly where Chris is. I met him before. Cool guy. He was a deputy sheriff. Um, He rides a Harley. And boy, is that a big Harley. And he's he's a Marine, retired. And oh, that's right. Uh, Charlotte is where he is. So shout out to you, Chris. And thank you for sending me the uh, screenshot from your parish bulletin. I want to say a shout out to Father Paul Gary at uh, St. Luke Catholic Church. Uh, He, in the bulletin, he talked a little bit about Relevant Radio, and in particular this program, which is really thoughtful of you, Father. We really appreciate it, and glad to know that the people in your parish now know about Relevant Radio. So tune in, everybody, and shout out to all the brothers and sisters at St. Luke Catholic Church in Charlotte. We'll take a quick time out, and we'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. The Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and RelevantRadio.com. How appropriate, Cyrus. It's a good song pick. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks? Yeah, thanks? Question mark. Hey, I have a note here from Mom of Seven. Uh, she says, Patrick, I need something good to say. I need to come back when people say those awkward and mostly well-meaning, but sometimes not. Comments about my family's size, you know the ones. Oh, you've been busy. Oh, you've got your hands full. You do know what causes that, right? Sometimes it's as if people are appalled at the thought that someone would willingly have a large family. I want something that makes people think or maybe even catches them off guard. What would you and Nancy do when confronted like this? Thank you. Well, (laughs) we've been there, that's for sure. Uh, One of the ones, so, oh, you've been busy, you've got your hands full, you do know what causes that, right? I'll add another one that I've heard a million times. This is, don't you have a TV? And what I've said 
many a time is, uh, yeah, we have a TV, and yes, we know what causes this. And brother, if you prefer watching TV to what causes this, you got a problem. So that's my cheeky response to somebody. And I've said that more than one time. <laughs> that usually ends the conversation <laughs> right there. Yes, we have a TV. Yes, we know what causes this. Dot, dot, dot. So try that sometime. Or better yet, have your husband say that. And uh, levity huh. shall ensue. You prefer TV, huh? Huh. Inter huh. Interesting. <laughs> huh. Take care now. Bye-bye then. Yeah, bye. <laughs> I mean, the look on people's faces. I mean, I've, I've done it enough times now where you just get that frozen, awkward smile. The person realizes, I just was really rude to that poor guy with all those kids. Um, true story. You ready for this, Mama Seven? This is a true story. It really happened. So we have 11 kids, and our youngest was a newborn. He's just about 23 now. And it was a long day, and I could tell Nancy had had you know, a long day, and she was worn out. So I said, hey, honey, uh, how about tonight we go, just you and me, we'll take the baby, we'll go get dinner. We'll let the older kids fend for themselves. They'll make dinner for younger kids. She's like, oh, that would be great. Let's do that. So we got the baby. We got in our minivan. And we went to the local Olive Garden. And the, the hostess seats us at our table. We had a booth. And the waitress brings us our menus. So I'm on one side of the table. Nancy's on the other side of the table with the newborn baby in the bassinet. And so naturally, the waitress is like women in general are. They're, she was maternal and she was asking questions about the baby. She's ooing and aahing over the baby. And, oh, boy or girl and how old and all the typical kind of questions. And then she asked Nancy a question that uh, we had heard many times before. She asked Nancy, is, is he your first? Is this your first child? So Nancy glances over at me with a knowing look. And I know what the look means because the look means, do you want to tell her? And I smiled and with my knowing look, I told her, you can tell her. So she looked up at the waitress and sweetly said, no, he's not our first, he's our 11th. And this waitress was so flustered by this, she didn't quite know what to do or say. So she immediately ran off in a tizzy and moments later, Several other waitresses were standing next to our table, looking at Nancy, looking at the baby, and they were just beside themselves. You have 11 children. How can you have 11 children? And they were just, you know, they were flustered. And so they, they're, they're, they're disapproving. I mean, it was the weirdest thing. They're like, how could you have 11 kids? Why would you want to have 11 kids? You must be so tired. All those kind of negative comments. I mean, and, really, Patrick. Well, it's true. And so Nancy and I are just sort of sitting there. <laughs> and um, then in the middle of all the negativity among these four or five waitresses, like, you know, like the circus had just shown up and the freak show is here. Look at these people. Aren't they weird? So in the middle of all this negativity, I kid you not, Cyrus, this really happened. They start telling their own contraceptive details. So one says, well, I'm on the pill. I have two kids. That's enough for me. No more kids. And they were laughing. And, you know, another one said, well, I got my tubes tied. The other one said, well, I made my husband have a vasectomy. This is 
I hadn't even ordered the lasagna yet, and I'm hearing all this. And so Nancy just smiled at these ladies and said, well, my husband and I believe that children are a blessing from God, and we believe in being open to life so that God can bless our marriage. And it was just like that, very matter-of-fact, very calm, and that's it. That's all she said. But that was enough to sort of quench all of their comments, and they all went back to work, and we kind of laughed it off. Like, it's like one of those things, like, you know, don't you have a TV? Don't you know what causes that? One of those deals. We didn't really think about it anymore, and we had our dinner, and when we were done, we, I paid the check, we got the baby, went out to the minivan. And we were parked at the far end of the parking lot. And every time I drive by this Olive Garden in a town near where we live, every time I drive by it, which is by now thousands of times probably, I always think about what happened next. It was nighttime. We had the baby. We walked all the way down the length of the parking lot to the far end. And as we're getting into the van, putting the baby in the van, getting in the van, I hear footsteps running up behind us. And I'm thinking, okay, we're getting mugged. Turn around. It's our waitress. She had run the length of the parking lot all the way down to where we were at the far end. And she was out of breath. And she said, oh, I'm so glad I caught you. I'm glad that I caught you before you left. And I'm thinking, well, did, did I leave my wallet? Did, you know, did Nancy leave her purse? And she, she turned to Nancy and she said, um, I just wanted to say thank you for what you said in there. And Nancy's like, well, what, what did I say? And she says, what you said in there <clears throat> when we were all kind of making fun of you for 11 kids, and you said that children are a blessing from God and you believe in being open to life, she said, when you said that, it really struck me. It, it, it clicked in my heart. I knew that's true. And she said, you changed my mind. I'm on the pill, she said. And as far as I knew, we weren't going to have any more children. But what you said in there really affected me. And I'm, when I get home tonight, I'm telling my husband, I'm getting off the pill because I want God to bless our children, our marriage with more children. And I just wanted to say thank you for saying what you said. And she gave Nancy a hug. And then she turned around and she went back into the restaurant, never saw her again. And, but that, that story has never left me. And it's never left Nancy either because I keep telling it all the time. I've told that story 101 times. But it's so powerful because the simple truth about the blessing of children can be powerful and life-changing. Just like for that waitress. She was part of the chorus of negativity <clears throat> with the other waitresses about this crazy couple with 11 kids and how ridiculous is that. And my wife's calm and heartfelt simple truth that she said changed that woman's life. And whenever I tell the story, I add this little tidbit, and that is that I, I, have, I firmly believe that in heaven, probably at least one person, maybe more, is going to come up to Nancy in heaven, tap her on the shoulder and say, excuse me, um, you don't know me, but my mom was your waitress long time ago, and you said something to her that really blessed her, and I'm here as a result of all that. What did you say to my mom? 
and, and Nancy will tell the story all over again. So more souls coming into existence by people telling the truth. So Mom of Seven, she says, thank you, Mom of Seven, hopefully more. I, ho I do hope you have more if that's God's plan for your family. Um, but all those mean-spirited or snarky questions that people ask, and don't you, don't you have a TV? Boy, you've got your hands full, that kind of thing. Just let it roll off your back. And uh, when you are out and about in public and people see your big family, some of them are moved in the right direction. Some people might scoff, but some people are moved in the right direction. So do it for them. 888-914-9149. Let's go now to um, Rose in Austin, Texas. Good morning, Rose. Hey, Patrick. Um, I love the conversation y'all are having and all the positive Thanks. things being said about families um, in mass. In mm -hmm. little little ones in mass, um, I think a piece though of the puzzle that hasn't been discussed yet in an extra dimension to all this is uh, kids who have kind of like silent or invisible disabilities. Mm -hmm. So I have a five-year-old with autism, and if you were just to walk by him at church, you would say typical normal kid, but his misbehavior mm -hmm. looks like a bratty kid, and yeah. so the way we manage that you know, varies from each week, but it, um, I just encourage other people who are maybe, I don't want to use the word passing judgment, but analyzing, you know, some of your callers mentioning analyzing the way parents are dealing with their kids or the kids, you know, whether the behavior is appropriate for their age or not. Those are things that really speak to kids who have, you know, invisible disabilities, whether yeah. it's sensory disorders, autism, developmental issues, mental retardation, and it's really important to make a space at Mass where we're not making assumptions and we're just giving a lot of compassion and kindness to mm -hmm. families because we're struggling. You know, we're doing our very best. How has that come across, what you're describing, Rose, how has that come across to your little boy um, in that situation? Has he ever been, I don't know if wounded is the right word for it, but has he ever noticed people judging him or, or kind of looking down on you? I I think, you know, now that he's five, I would say he is a lot more aware of people staring at him. You know, he may have some odd behaviors that seem, you know, like they call it stimming, you know, where you're maybe repeating yourself over and over again, or he will uh, hit a book on his head and just silly little things. But absolutely, there's some staring and, and you know, it's really hurtful. And I think for him, he recognizes now that oh, I'm not supposed to do certain things in certain mm -hmm. places, which is a good thing, but it, it, it's also painful. And I think for us, we already feel a lot of that woundedness, but I would I hate that he's going to feel that and, and potentially even feel that at church. And just mm -hmm. to add another quick point, because I know you have so many callers. Um, well, I'm here for you, Rose, and what you're saying is important, so please continue. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I also have a sister um, who left the church for many years of her life because of um, the way she was treated at mass. And she has a facial deformity, mm -hmm. um, a very rare facial deformity. And that was so painful for her to be stared at, usually by kids or laughed at or taunted, mm -hmm. but parents never doing anything to tell their children that's not appropriate. Let's go meet her and let's go talk to her. Mm -hmm. And that is um, a huge reason why she didn't want to go to church for so long. Praise be to God, she did start going back a few months ago, and she passed away four weeks ago. Oh. So it's very fresh. But I would just like My to say in her honor, 
thank you. But in her honor, I want to encourage others to um, just have so much compassion to people at Mass who are struggling in whatever way they are, and just to offer a little prayer. And it goes a long we way will. for families who feel that. What was your sister's name that we may pray for her? Thank you. It's Polly. Polly. We will all remember Polly in a special way in our prayers. And whatever suffering she went through along the way must have been terrible for her. But I'm so glad to hear that she made her way back, you know, toward the end of her life. I'm sure that brings you a lot of consolation. It does, Patrick. It really does. She is a She's a beautiful soul, for sure. And, um, you know, I know that the Mass has space for everybody who, who, everyone who's different belongs Mm -hmm. there. And I just encourage people who may be going, why are they acting that way? Or why aren't they scolding their kids right now? Or whatever it is, just to offer grace. Because, you know, so many kids are struggling, you know, and we just don't really know the full story. That's so true. Yeah, and we, we, we're quick to judge, and uh, we shouldn't be. We should be, right? you know, we should show consideration. And um, I'm so glad you brought this up, Rose, because that's part of the puzzle Thank that you. we haven't touched upon, kids with autism, et cetera. Thank so. you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Well, Mike, my sincere okay. condolences to you and your family. Thank you, Patrick. It means a lot. We, we thank you. You're We're welcome. listeners, so we really appreciate you. Thank you. Well, lots of love going out to your family and all the other big families with noisy kids at Mass. We love you. We welcome you. We want you to be there. Don't let the mean looks turn you away. And all the all the parents and others who are distracted by at Mass by the noisy kids, hang in there. It's going to be okay. And and young young families, you know, be aware that they're not used to the noise. <laughs> that you become used to. I'm a living, breathing example of that. I used to be very um, used to it. Not anymore. It's just life. It's just how it is. So we all look out for each other and things are going to go better. Quick timeout. We'll come back with more of your phone calls right after this. This hour is sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Keeping it relevant. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. I can't not read this email. This comes in from Megan, and Megan's listening in Denver. Shout out, Megan. Thank you. (laughs) So we're talking about uh, people who make, I don't know, snarky comments about you and your husband or you and your wife and your big family. Like, well, don't you have a TV or don't you know what causes that? Or are you done having kids now? Just insensitive comments. And uh, so Megan says, when somebody does that and they they say, do you know what causes that? She says, all you have to do is lean in real close, look both ways and speak very quietly and say, do you need me to explain it to you? <laughs> that conversation will be over just like that. That's funny. 888-914-9149. How about Haley now in Cookville, Tennessee? Good morning, Haley. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I have sure. a, a question about 
this concept of heaven, because I'm looking in the Old Testament, and when I see the word heaven, it describes the skies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really describe the dwelling place of God, because the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament is in the temple. But then in the New Testament, Jesus teaches our Father, which art in heaven. And then we mm-hmm. have this idea of heaven being, you know, in, in the Revelation, you know, that it's a, a place or something. But God right. is spirit, so God is everywhere. So I, I'm like thinking myself into a Celtic knot here. I was wondering if you could help me <laughs> and if you could uh, if you could recommend any books about this. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a it's a subtle question you're asking, Haley, but very um, very observant. So I think that what you're referring to can be summarized in Genesis one eight, where in the creation narrative it says, "And God called the firmament heaven, and there was evening and there was morning a second day." So th- you're right that the term heaven or the heavens was understood to be the sky, and the people could see the stars and the sun, etc. Uh, But then the word took on a more specific meaning with regard to the place where God is outside of the material universe. So the the immaterial reality of of where God is and angels, etc., and human souls before the general resurrection, the term heaven took on that more specific connotation. So maybe the best way to think about it would be this way, that the heavens was sort of just loosely or generally understood to be God is up there somewhere, but without a kind of really well-developed theology of what heaven, in a more strict sense, would actually mean. And you're right, the gates of heaven were closed because of the fall of Adam and Eve. They were reopened by Jesus' death on the cross, So at that point then, heaven becomes something that human beings participate in. And there are different ways of describing it. The beatific vision, seeing God face to face, or as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see through a glass darkly, but then we shall see him as he is. So in eternity, those blessed in heaven, they are with God, they're present to God, they see God, and everything that that goes with that that we can't even begin to imagine, but it's not a, um, it's not merely sort of a state of mind or or this ethereal kind of um, condition. It is we can say it is a place, insofar as not only are there two bodies there, at least two that we know of for sure, the Lord Jesus Christ in His glorified resurrected body, and the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was bodily assumed into heaven. So at least those two bodies are present in heaven. What does that mean exactly? Well, it's not physical in the way we think of physicality, like you and I can't pass through walls, but Jesus in his glorified body could. So the the meaning of a place where there's an extension into time and space, for, you know, three dimensions, for us, it means a certain thing, but with that come limitations that we have, but the glorified bodies don't have that. So you're right, God is a pure spirit, but there are bodies in heaven. And in the end, Haley, when we when we rise from the dead at the end of the general resurrection, we will all get our bodies back. So heaven will be filled with glorified bodies of all God's sons and daughters who are present there for all eternity. Um, those are some of the theological things we can say about heaven. 
Um, Peter Kreeft, are you familiar with him as an author? K-R-E-E-F-T? Yes. Okay, well, he wrote a book called Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Heaven. And he takes up this, among other related issues. I mean, those kids sound like they're having a great time. Um, I would recommend yeah, that book. I'm at the playground. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Um, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Heaven by Peter Kreeft. Okay, thank you very much. I just... I was I was wondering about this, and I was saying to myself, "Am I being stupid here?" I, this seems to this no. seems to be kind of like a, an inconsistency, and you know, I'm going cross-eyed thinking about this. So, thank you. I'll uh, I'll get that book. Okay, I think you'll like it, and it'll be good reading for you while you're at the playground with the kids. Thanks a lot. Let's go to Sydney now in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hi, Cin- um, is it right, Cindy? Excuse me, I said Sydney. Yes. Cindy, welcome. Thank you. I just have a comment about the earlier caller who was talking about inappropriate or rude remarks about the size of their family. Yeah. And my children all have larger families and they've all experienced that same thing. And sometimes you're even in like a grocery store line. You don't have time to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. And we feel, we were talking one day, my daughter and I, about how to be charitable, but have some comment to say to them because they really need a response in some situations. Right. So we decided the most charitable and kind thing to say for that situation or other inappropriate times when you are stuck is to just look at them kindly and say, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And it throws it kind of back into their court and then they have to respond. So you've given them a response, but it's charitable. And then they usually just, Ignore the break. Fade away. (laughs) Yes. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times that's a good way. If you keep it in your hip pocket, because a lot of times they're on the spot to say something, but that's the most kind of a charitable thing to say in most of those situations. And thank Mm -hmm. you for taking my call. I really enjoy your show. I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm glad you called. It's a a good, handy comeback for people, as you say, to keep in their hip pocket because it will come in handy. Uh, thank you. Uh, here's a note that comes in from, uh, who is this? This is from Yo, <laughs> I guess, in Florida, saying, which is worse, adults who visit and make noise before Mass starts? Last week, the folks behind me talked throughout the whole Mass in a different language, so I didn't even know what was so important. I'll take the little ones any day. At least they usually don't know better. So... Yeah, I, I, it's two sides of the same, the same coin. There are adults who are, they just don't get it. They don't realize that they're in the house of God and they should keep a respectful silence. Certainly before and after Mass is over, people are trying to pray, not to mention the fact that God is there in the tabernacle and in all the bodily tabernacles of the, people's, the people who have just received Holy Communion. The Lord is present in them for a few minutes anyway. So... I understand what you're saying, and I'm glad you brought it up because it wasn't part of the conversation today, that all the chitter-chatter before and after Mass should take place out in the parking lot or in the parish hall over coffee and donuts. That's what that's for. But you shouldn't be chitter-chattering and visiting and, you know, talking about what's for dinner or whatever the chitter-chatter might be. That's not for when you're in church. Respect God and respect the people around you who are trying to pray. Thank you for that. Oh, she uh, also says, 
Um, can you tell me the name of the Frank Sheed book that you read when you were in your 20s that had a profound effect on your life? You mentioned it last week. Yes, that book is called Theology and Sanity. Theology and Sanity. Excellent book. Let's go now to Mike in Atlanta. Good morning, Mike. Hi, Patrick. A big fan. Uh, Thank you. Long time, long time listener. Thank hey, you. I'm a, I'm almost 70 years old. I'm a, I'm a baby Catholic of five years. I'm a cradle Protestant. Okay. 65. Welcome 65 home. Years. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, this is a great topic, though, because this is the one thing that is, I just really bugged me. I don't understand why children are in church because. Okay. When growing up, I mean, in any Protestant church from birth in a crib to until uh, you're in your coffin, you're in a Sunday school, and kids love Sunday school, mm-hmm. and uh, they would they would love it. And I, I was a Sunday school teacher. Our rule was uh, uh, everybody has fun, no bloodshed, and you throw in Jesus as often as you can, tell Bible stories, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the people in church are not disturbed by the kids. The kids love to come to Sunday school, and it's why don't they have Sunday school in, in, in the Catholic Church? That's a really good question. We do. We don't call it Sunday school. I mean, some parishes might call it Sunday school. That's more of a probably a cultural Protestant term for it. In the Catholic Church, we call it catechism. That's a more traditional term, catechism. CCD is a term that's used since the 1970s. It's a, it just means confraternity of, of Christian doctrine, and it's the term that was used. I know they have a new term for it now, ECD or something like that. But um, So we have a different vocabulary for the same kind of thing. And so Catholics do have Sunday school. We just don't call it Sunday school. It would be well, what age would, is that star? Um, most parishes, like my parish, for example, starts in kindergarten, and it goes through well, high I mean, school. It's, it's a long way from zero to five or six, and yeah. uh, it's just, it's, I, I just think that everybody would get a lot more out of the service. They have some baby behind them crying. It's just, it's, I can't understand why, and it's just a formative, formative years, mm-hmm. having kids and, and being instructed in, you know, in the Bible and in the church and uh, I just think people are missing out on a big thing. Uh, I, I'm glad I, I, to be honest, I love being in the Catholic Church. I'm glad I was raised Protestant. I really appreciate the Catholic yeah. Church. But I think they could really learn. Uh, they, ought, they ought to look at the, the Sunday school. It's just, it's just, it's just you know. Yeah. It, Oh, I hear you. But but just do know, Mike, and I realize that because you're new to the church, maybe you haven't had enough chance to sort of see the Catholic Church in a variety of different parishes. But yeah, we do have Sunday school. Every parish has it. And we just don't call it Sunday school. But what you're describing, um, Catholic parishes do have that. And I'm happy to report that most Catholic parishes, probably the vast majority of them, um, are A-OK and, and very welcoming to big families with a lot of kids, and, and the noise and commotion is just part of it. It's just part of well, a big, happy, growing family. If they had Sunday school, the kids would be learn, learning uh, uh, about the church and I just and not disturbing other people. Uh, I just... Do you, I think I know what you mean, Mike. Um, you're saying that the, ki- the the kids should be in Sunday school while the adults are in Mass. Is that what you're saying? That's uh, right, yeah. Okay, because I was saying something different. We were kind of talking past each other. 
What I was saying is that we, we do both. So the kids are in mass with the, the adults. And I would propose that that's really important because they need to learn how to worship God in spirit and in truth in the mass from the earliest age possible. And as you know, Jesus said the apostles were trying to keep the parents from bringing their little kids to Jesus. And Jesus says, don't stop the little children from coming unto me. So participating at mass is absolutely important for these children from a young age to experience. But where I misunderstood you, Mike, is we do both. So it's both and. The kids are at mass and they have Sunday school. But now it clicks in my mind that you're saying have them in Sunday school or CCD and not at mass. Uh, I didn't quite catch that. And and when they're five or six, take them to mass when they can, you know, they can behave and know what's going on. But having little infants run around the church and crying and it's just i i still can't get over that i love the mass but <laughs> when i hear a bunch of crying i thought well take your kid out or and i thought why don't i just have sunday school like everybody like all the protestants do yeah well i yeah i, I hear what you're saying mike um and i i respect your your you know your sensitivity here but we do both and so if anything i would say having the children at mass on sunday is important for them to learn about Jesus liturgically in the context of the Mass, as well as, of course, in the Sunday school setting. So thanks, Mike, and thank you for being patient with these big, happy, noisy families. We love them, and we want to encourage them. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Why don't we... hmm. I Okay, let's go to Nancy in Grafton, Wisconsin. I think we can do this quickly, Nancy. Good morning and welcome. Well, good morning. I've been sitting here waiting. (laughs) Anyhow, I wanted to tell you, you talk about having a size of family. Well, my husband and I, uh, we had 14 children. And, you know, we practiced, practiced, but we never learned how to make twins. They're all singles. (laughs) And, uh, And my husband... Those kids learned how to pour concrete. They know how to cut trees. They worked like a son of a gun because my husband worked a lot of times, 100 hours a week, his union job and then his side jobs that he knew how to do. And those kids worked along with their dad on those extra jobs, on his side jobs. And they learned how to work. And and you know what? Here I am, a great-grandma already, and... Um, I'm very happy to see those little ones at church because, by gosh, you know, my license plate said one for kids, 14 kids. That's what my license plate said on my car. Mm. And, um, you know, it took a lot of uh, attention when people think you had that many kids. But I said, you know, that's what God gave me. I said, Indeed. I have. What a blessing. I wish we had more time. What a blessing for you and your husband, Nancy. 14 children. My hat is off to you. I feel like a slacker with only 11 kids. Uh, Thank you. God bless you. Well, we'll do it again tomorrow. Same Pat time, same Pat channel. And in the meantime, I will pray for you. And remember to pray for Polly, the sister of that one caller who passed away. Please pray for me. I'll pray for you.